difference between happiness and joy. Happiness depends on happenings, but joy depends on Jesus. It is so important that we understand our lives would never be the same. Something happens, you're happy. Something else happens, you're unhappy. But joy is not dependent on happiness. Joy is dependent on a person and, and what he has done to us and what has happened to us in him and what has happened to the entire creation in him. And last week I uh, showed you this verse. Let me start from that again. Matthew chapter 5 verse 11 onwards. Matthew chapter 5 verse 11 onwards. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. When somebody speaks all kinds of evil things against you falsely, how do you feel? When, when they call you names and, you know, speak things, evil things against you falsely. But look at what the word says. It says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. That kind of reaction for the scenario looks very impossible. Ah, it's not practical. Nothing Jesus said has ever been practical. Jesus looked at the disciples and said, feed the 5,000 and, and walk on waters and raise the dead. So, to the natural mind, whatever Jesus says looks impractical. But the thing with God is when he speaks, his words carry what is necessary for that word to come to pass. So when he looks at the ground and says, trees be, then the ground has the potential to bring forth the trees because of the word that is released. When he looks at the water and says, fish be, the waters has the capacity to bring forth the fish because of the word that is released. So whatever receives the word, that by automatically has the capacity to bring forth what he has commanded uh, to happen. So when he looks at us and says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. If only we listen to that command, the moment the soil listened to the command, it had the capacity to bring forth. Therefore, when we listen to God's command, uh, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, then immediately we have the capacity to do that. This is not the first time, you know, when two opposing things are uh, coming together, that is called oxymoron in English. It's different from moron, right? 
uh, moron is like you're a moron kind of a thing. Oxymoron is two opposing ideas coming together. So here it is like that. This is not the only place. I always come with me to James chapter 1, verse 2 onwards. James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy. Come on, say that after me. Count it all joy. Yes. When you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What is that state? Perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That is the state of shalom. That is the state of peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. So how do we come to that space? We come to that space because patience had its perfect work. But before that, what's the important thing? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Again, oxymoron. When you fall into all kind of nonsense, the Bible says count it all joy. How do you count it all joy? You're not counting it joy of what's happening to you. It doesn't say count it all joy uh, when the trials hit you. No, when the trials hit you, count it all joy knowing something. So what do you know? So when people talk to me and I listen to their stories and I'm like, okay, so these things are what is disturbing you. Oh, okay. These things are irritating you. These things are... Um, yeah, these, it's, it's amazing when you listen to people, you know whether they have understood the gospel or not. When, you, when the gospel has no hold over you, then obviously when you fall into various trials, it's very difficult to count it all joy. I'll come back to that point soon. Come with me to First Thessalonians chapter 1. Verse 6. 1 Thessalonians 1 6. And you became followers of us and of the Lord. Wow. Look at the audacity of Paul to say, You became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. The Thessalonians were receiving the word. They were receiving the word with much affliction. I mean, right now the only affliction that we go through in our context is traveling a long way to come to the service. Right? And we call that as the affliction for the sake of the gospel. But it was different for churches at Thessalonica. Even now it's different for many churches in so many parts of the world. 
but they received the word with much affliction in the midst of much affliction with joy of the holy spirit so in james 1 we read count it all joy when you're falling into various trials in first thessalonians we are reading you're receiving the word in affliction but with joy then come with me to first peter chapter 1 verse 6 first peter chapter 1 verse 6 onwards in this you greatly rejoice though now for a little while if need be you have been grieved by various trials verse 7 that the genuineness of your faith come on say genuineness of my faith it is so important the genuineness of your faith how solid your understanding of the gospel is there is the genuineness of your faith the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to praise honor and glory at the revelation of jesus christ so when there is revelation of jesus christ the trials that you're going through becomes context for god's glory praise and honor to be made manifest in and through your life no matter what the devil throws at you when your faith is genuine there is a revelation of jesus christ and when there is a revelation unveiling when there is unveiling of christ there is praise honor and glory whom having not seen you love see charis many times she has asked where is jesus where is jesus oh i'm not able to see him so here the scripture says whom having not seen like how we are seeing physically each other whom not seeing you love though now you do not see him yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible full of glory KJV says joy unspeakable full of glory come on say that joy unspeakable full of glory so joy unspeakable full of glory comes not as a result of you seeing jesus physically the church peter is writing to he's saying you're not seeing him physically once you were with jesus physically and you were walking with him you could touch him you can hold his hands but right now you're not able to walk like that you're not able to see him yet you love him yet you believe in him so this joy doesn't comes through sense knowledge this joy unspeakable full of glory comes in a time of trials and tribulations in fact when peter was writing he's talking about the strange fire that is burning what was the strange fire the romans were literally lighting up christians they would tie them on the stick and pour kerosene and just put a match stick and they were the like how we have street lights believers were made to burn at the stakes and romans were walking in their light If somebody believes Jesus they would just tie on this stake and pour petrol and put fire they were going through such tribulations and peter is writing to such a church and says ha ah, ha ha hey 
you are filled with joy unspeakable full of glory even though you are not able to see jesus in the midst of this various trials that is testing the genuineness of your faith with so much joy uh history says all these believers who were persecuted and martyred for the sake of the gospel even when steve stephen was stoned to death how was his face shining like a sun because they were caught up with a different reality they knew what they were believing the gospel that we are talking about is a reality is a reality and when you're grasped by that gospel nothing affects you you can come to that place of joy of joy unspeakable full of glory and irrespective of your trials and circumstances and afflictions and what people tell and falsely accuse various trials various persecutions this and that troubles of life you know chaos of life up and above and beyond all these things you will have a joy it's possible to live such a life because of your understanding of the gospel where does this joy come from hmm come with me to romans chapter 15 verse 13 come on we have to by heart this verse today okay right now let's by heart come on say read it out loud now may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the holy spirit read it again now may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the holy spirit every word is so important in this verse what is the first word now say now not tomorrow not tomorrow not when your circumstances change not when this thing happens when that thing happens now now and what is the name of our god god of hope come on look at somebody and say my god is a god of hope no matter what your circumstances there is always hope no matter what has happened there is always hope and what is the ultimate hope that we have the hope of resurrection the hope of a renewed physical creation renewed body that is the hope that changes the equation the reality of the resurrection of jesus is the foundation of all hope if god did not raise jesus from the dead we don't have any hope how jesus died for you that's all we have no that's not the gospel the gospel is not that jesus died for you the gospel is that god raised jesus from the dead 
and death has been defeated once and for all so we have hope beyond the grave we have we have hope beyond what has what what happens in the natural realm and we have that resurrection power which has the capacity to transform this broken physical world and and that is the hope that we have now may the god of hope fill you with all joy pinch somebody and say all joy and peace what did we read in uh, you know james count it all joy say there is all joy why when you fall into all kinds of trials so there are all kinds of trial so for every kind there is a joy there are all kinds of joy because when when we when we say to people like you know joy is strength they usually the response is you do not know my situation you do not know my story my story is so unique there is no joy for my story no you might have joy oh that person can have joy but my story you do not know no 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 slap somebody and say all joy and peace come on did you by heart now may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing okay so this all joy and peace is a result of what you believe it's not a result of what happens to you or what hasn't happened to you it is a result of what you believe this is what makes this joy possible irrespective of circumstances it is in believing see joyful people or hopeful people have you ever seen people talk hopeless i will bet you they cannot be joyful have you ever seen hopeless people talk being joyful i don't have any hope nobody says like that ah i lost hope i don't know why i'm living na 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 all those hopelessness is because joy has been drained out of your system and when joy has been drained out obviously you know your hope indicator is really low it is cyclic when you don't have hope you don't have joy when you don't have joy you don't have hope then it just spirals you down into all kinds of nonsense it's amazing how devil is tricky can just spiral you don't into stuff but look at that now may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope so when you're listening to god when you're believing what god speaks you will always abound in hope what does the word abound mean more than enough overflowing 
So you will always abound in hope. You will always abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is not the kind of, I hope so kind of hope. I hope it doesn't rain. I hope the flight comes on time. This is not that kind of hope so hope. This is by the power of the Holy Spirit. I told you how joy comes. By believing. Believing what? Believing what Jesus says. He said that, right? In John um, 15, verse 9. John 15, verse 9. This is the gospel. Gospel in one line. If you understand this, you will have unshakable joy. Unshakable joy. This is the gospel in one line. What does it say? What does it say? For as, as the Father loved me, I have loved you, abide in my love. In one sentence, here is the gospel. As the Father loves Jesus, He loves you, stay in that love. Do you really believe the Father loves you as much as He loves Jesus? Do you believe the Father loves you as much as He loves Jesus? I mean, when He looks at the Father, when Father looks at Jesus, how is the Father's face? Huh? Yeah, joy. See, when I play with uh, Shalom, or Karis, I don't stand and say, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's not what I say. What do I do? I like, do those things. So when the father looks at Jesus, unfortunately we have those movies having this booming voice. This is my beloved son, son, son. In whom, whom, whom. <laughs> okay. Jigraguti, <sighs> Nanya. You know, Father's heart overflows with joy when he looks at Jesus. So just imagine the Father looking at Jesus, like his fa Father's face is beaming with joy and celebration. Then his face moves away from Jesus and he looks at you. How is the father's face? Hmm? Hmm. So when the father's face turns away from Jesus and looks at you, how is the father's face? Finish the prayer. Okay, go. That's how many of us are believing that the father's face when he looks at us changes. Because we don't deeply believe that he loves us as much as he loves Jesus. But the gospel is that we have been included. We have been included in the love circle of the Trinity. And you did not do anything to be included. You cannot. You need not. In fact, you should not try. God did not ask your permission to be included. You are included, whether you like it or not. 
you're free to enjoy it or not to enjoy it but you are included you enjoying it doesn't make you more included than others you are as included as everybody else you're already included you are already included in the celebration of the father son and the holy spirit you cannot do anything more to make him more happy or joyful about you because you are participating in an existing circle of joy and celebration as the father loved me i also have loved you abide in my love put verse 11 these things i have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full the joy of jesus the joy of the lord is our strength the joy of jesus himself not joy like jesus the joy of jesus is given to you these things i have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you so what results in this joy we hearing what jesus is saying faith comes by hearing hearing the rema of christos rema of christos rema means the spoken word christos is the anointed one so whenever holy spirit quickens a word it's a spoken word it's a now word and when you listen to that word faith is automatic so faith comes from hearing the spoken word not just by hearting verses gives you faith if by hearting verses gives you faith then bible seminary should be full of faith why seminaries are like cemeteries because they don't have faith why they are not hearing the rema the spoken word they are just literally degreeing on the written word the letter kills the spirit gives life so when the spirit breathes a word and it becomes alive it becomes a rema faith inspiring word the anointed word of rema gives you faith okay watch me carefully jesus spoke so many parables but he spoke a particular parable and said if you don't understand this parable you won't understand any other thing what was that parable the parable of sower sowing the seed and he said oh a man went out to sow the seed some seed fell on the roadside some seed fell on stony grounds some feel uh, some uh, seed fell on thorny places some seed fell on good god good soil okay can you take that passage 
from Mark chapter 4. And uh, put verse 5. Yeah. Some fell on the stony ground where it did not have much earth. Stone will not have much earth. Rocky soil will not have much earth. Just the top layer alone will have soil. Immediately it will have rocks. So when the seed fills on that stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. See, any tree that takes time to go deeper will not come out quickly. Why are these, uh, what's, what's they call? Weeds. Weeds just spring up like that. But you, you place a tree, it'll be like, But weeds are like trying. Why do they come up so fast? Why there is outward growth, fast growth? There is no deep root. So since it has no depth of the earth, it immediately springs up. And Jesus explains this. Okay, he, he tells the thing and he explains these category of people. When he explains the stony ground, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness. How did Thessalonians receive the word? In much affliction they received it with joy. But these fellows are the church going fellows who are like hallelujah when you hear the sermons preached. You get excited. Have you ever been excited hearing the word? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's people who fell on stony ground. Immediate reaction of joy will be there. Whistle. Nothing wrong in excitement. But when you're not deep-rooted, what happens? They immediately receive it with gladness. Hmm. And they have no root in themselves. So endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecutions arises for the word's sake. Slap somebody and say, persecution, tribulation arises for the word's sake. How many of you have received a prophetic word and your life went opposite direction? Right? And the first thought is like, First thing is to question the prophet. One fellow, he told whatever he wanted to tell. My goodness, that fellow, the moment he said that, my life is going in the opposite direction. Why? What arises? Persecution arises for the word's sake. These are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Look at somebody and say, devil is after the word. He is okay with you having initial excitement and keep staying in the church and not have root in yourself. And after some time, you get just go down because the word is being tested. He's okay with such categories of people. In, that's why he, he brings you to the church services. 
Devil has no problem when you're a stony ground people. He's like, hallelujah, he'll also stand by you. When you get excited, he'll also get excited. Like, hey man, he'll give you a high five for all the words. Because he knows you're not going to take root. And just when persecution arises, how many of you have pursued healing? Like you felt like God is calling you for healing, you know, people, healing the sick. And you started meditating, you started reading books, you started watching healing videos. And then everything went, started going crazy. Seven years we had church. The first seven years. We didn't bury anyone. We never had a single funeral service. Then I started writing a book on immortality. But every chapter I'll go and bury someone and come. So when the word is tested, because, listen to me, a believer with a word on the surface of his heart is no threat to the enemy. But a believer who's rooted in the word is a threat to the enemy. The believer who is rooted will destroy devil's kingdom. So it's important, devil makes all arrangements to make sure that you don't go to that place where you're deeply rooted. But I'm telling you, when you learn to receive the word in your heart, in spite of the tribulations and afflictions that arises because of the word, but you learn to receive it with joy and peace. And you allow your heart to be deep-rooted. You know what will happen? Come with me to chapter 16, John 16, from verse 20. Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. Look at somebody and say, your sorrow will be turned into joy. How? It's 21. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Verse 22. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. Do you know there is a joy that nobody can take? No circumstances can take that joy from you. When was Jesus speaking these things? 14, 15, 16, 17. Few hours before him going to the cross. Can you imagine you being a disciple and he, him, you know, taking you to the Last Supper, you know, taking you uh, to the Gethsemane. Uh, can, can you imagine the whole Atmosphere is thick, tense. Jesus is telling, 
I'm going to go. I'm going to die. The whole world will celebrate. You guys will be crying and weeping and lamenting. Then Jesus says, don't worry, you will see me again. So what was he talking about this saying again? Resurrection after three days. Do you know what unfortunately the church did? This, I will see you again, they took it for second coming. So when he said for three days you will be sorrowful, church has been sorrowful for 2000 years. He said for three days, you guys won't see me and you'll be sorrowful and the whole world will be celebrating. But you will see me again and your heart will be filled with joy and no one will be able to take that joy. So how did the New Testament church, irrespective of all the persecution and circumstances, everything, they were always with joy unspeakable and full of Holy Ghost? Is because they saw the reality of resurrection of Jesus. Since they saw the reality of resurrection, they don't need Jesus physically anymore with them. They are like, he is alive, he is in me now. So the union, the gospel, the reality of the gospel gripped their heart so much that they had a joy that no one can take away. Yes. Do you think it's possible to live a life filled with joy that no one can take away? That nothing, no circumstance can take away? Joy unspeakable, full of glory. Count it all joy. When you fall into various trials, knowing. So what do you know? You know the reality of the resurrection. You know the gospel. You know that the Father loves you as much as he loves Jesus. And you listen to his voice daily. Deep within your darkness. You listen to him. And that gospel keeps you with joy. And with that joy and peace, you always have hope. You always abound in hope. And in that place of joy, in that place of peace, God will give you utterances and those utterances will be life-giving utterances those utterances will be life-changing utterances those utterances will be changing the impossible into possible Jeremiah 33 verse 11 come on read it out loud everyone the voice of joy and the voice of Gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. See, there is a voice of the groom and there is a voice of the bride. Yeah. When the bride hears the voice of the groom, there is a voice in the bride. And that voice is the voice of joy and that voice is the voice of Gladness. The voice of those who will say, Praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good and his 
Mercy endures forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Right? There is a voice that sings that song. It's a voice of joy, voice of gladness, voice of the bridegroom, voice of the bride. And of those who will bring the sacrifice of praise. Come on, say sacrifice of praise. Why it's called a sacrifice of praise? See, those who are in heaven who are worshipping God, it will not be called sacrifice of praise. Because when you're, when you're open to the glory of God, worship is the natural response. Here, in spite of all the stuff that's happening, when you're like, no, 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 I'm not going to look at these things. I'm going to fix my eyes on you and you're going to praise. That's called a sacrifice of praise. We will not have the opportunity to give the sacrifice of praise forever. Are you guys getting what I'm saying? We will give praise forever, but we will not have the opportunity to give the sacrifice of praise forever. Only now we have. And of those who will bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Uh, for I will... Come on, come on, read it out loud. This is the prophetic word. For I will cause the captives of the land to return as at the first, says the Lord. There is a restoration. There is a promise of restoration that things will be back as before. Before that restoration happens, there has to be a restoration of voice. You didn't understand what I'm saying. People have been taken as captives. Last week I told you the reason for captivity. What was the reason? Put that. Deuteronomy 28, 47. Because you did not serve the Lord with, Lord your God with joy and gladness of your heart, for the abundance of everything. What happened because of that? Next verse. Therefore you shall serve your enemies. It says, whom the Lord will send against you uh, in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, in everything. So this is Old Testament, but it is not God who sends these things uh, to you. Their understanding was like that. Some might be like, how dare you change what the scripture says and say that God did not send when it rightly said God sent. You know why I change? Even though it's the Bible who says the Lord sent and I can stand boldly and say it's not the Lord who sent. You know why? Because I know Jesus who is the word of God. When you just know Bible, you will be so afraid to change this thing. But when you know the word, you know to change this thing. And say, no, it's not the Lord who sent. It's not the Lord who sent. It's because they, they lost their joy, enemies took over. That's the thing there. When the joy of the Lord, we are not taking that seriously, 
it will be just a matter of time before enemies take over your life and you'll be serving the enemies it says you shall serve your enemies whatever is out there to destroy your life you will be serving them when you're not taking joy seriously i'm telling you it's a very serious business i mean if you don't understand what i'm talking about when you when you just a matter of time all sorts of nonsense enters into a person's life that person might have been on fire for the lord and might have done great things but when they when they let go of joy they when they don't serve god with joy and gladness then enemies take over and they have been taken captives so to such to such a crowd who have been taken captives jeremiah is prophesying and saying the lord will bring back the captives and restore them as things were but before he does that before he does that he will restore the voice of joy and gladness this gospel gives you permission to be joyful irrespective of what has happened in life even when it comes to the issue of death it says i do not want you to sorrow like others who do not have hope i do not want you to sorrow like others who do not have hope that means what ah somebody is dead you miss them yes but always have hope hope of what hope of what what was the hope that paul was talking about in first thessalonians 4 oh they are all with jesus no that's not the hope what is the hope come on resurrection very good caris the hope of resurrection the hope of resurrection that we will see them come back to life how can we have such a hope how can we have such a hope sharon i want to show you a verse okay this is just for you isaiah 26 Isaiah how many years did he live before Jesus? Hmm? How many years did he live? Hundreds of years, hundreds of years before Jesus he lived. Look at what he what hope he had back then before Jesus. Your dead shall live together with my dead body they shall arise. Isaiah living hundreds of years ago is prophesying about his own resurrection. <laughs> Your dead shall live together with my dead body they shall arise. Awake and sing you who dwell in dust. Can you imagine we going to cemetery and prophesying and saying awake 
and sing awake and rejoice those who are sleeping in dust it's nuts but this is the hope of the gospel this is the hope of the gospel awake and sing you who dwell in dust for your dew is like the dew of herbs <laughs> see you might be like what 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 he's talking about resurrection dew herbs so when the dew comes and falls on the earth it the earth pushes out the herbs are you getting what i'm saying when the dew falls on the earth the earth pushes out the herbs like that the earth will push out the dead the earth will cast out the dead push out the dead push out the dead that's the hope of the gospel that's the hope of resurrection that one day everything lost broken bruised marked by sin devil and death shall be made alive complete perfect before such restoration happens god wants to restore the voice the voice of joy the voice of gladness where you give the sacrifice of praise you have not seen the restoration yet so you are giving the sacrifice of praise after the restoration happens anybody can praise that's not sacrifice of praise the sacrifice of praise is where you are like ah i know you're good i don't understand this this is not you this is not you i give you praise i give you glory now in the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing pin somebody and say what you believe will determine what you're filled with what you believe will determine what you're filled with you can be filled with all joy and peace what is the word peace irene in greek shalom in hebrew what does that mean destroying the authority attached to chaos all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the holy spirit lebro la mana hal kura bada shanti lebro hono no man ke dere dere ribala hal dara mana hantura mene ke dere dere So Isaiah said that, right? Isaiah prophesied about his dead body. What happened to his body? Hmm? Isaiah prophesied, "My dead body shall arise." Was God faithful? Matthew 27 verse 
Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Huh? Jesus died. Say Jesus died. How many years ago Isaiah died? Oh, hundreds of years ago Isaiah died and he's in the realm of the dead. Now Jesus died. That means he entered into the realm of death. And he just got hold of everyone there. Hmm? The next verse. 51. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. There is no separation between there is no separation between God and man Jesus broke everything and the earth quaked and the rocks were split 52 and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised when is this happening? When Jesus died on Good Friday. On Good Friday, the rock split. And people came back. Look at verse 52 and 53. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection. They were alive but sitting in the grave. They were waiting for Jesus to be the first among the dead. First born from the resurrection among the dead. And they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Can you imagine you being in Jerusalem during that season? As long as it was not their grandpa. <laughs> They're going into the city and knocking at people's doors. This is the kind of books that we are believing. I mean, do you believe these stories? Are they just stories? Some crazy fellow wrote something and you're like, ah. If this is what really happened, if 2000 years ago, the earth pushed out the dead because a man died and destroyed death, years into the kingdom then something ought to happen the realm of possibilities has to increase because the kingdom increases in glory it starts as a seed and it grows grows, grows, grows